Thanks for tuning into Reach Radio, a podcast for public health professionals looking to expand their network, be inspired, and discover resources and tools that help improve the experience of public health professionals and patients in their communities. I'm your host, Fran. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Reach Radio. It's my honor to be able to introduce you to Patricia Eubanks, who is the president of Mother. She has been serving the community for over 20 years and is focused on empowering families. Her philosophy is, is that a healthy family doesn't just happen, that raising children includes more than shelter, food, and clothes. And we're excited to have her to share with us what Mother is doing what strategies they're using to help families to be the best families they can be for their children and to end the cycle of trauma that occurs, unfortunately, in so many families. Patricia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, and we're so excited to have you. So why don't we get started? Tell us a little bit about your organization and the work you're doing. My organization was formed 20 years ago just this past January. And it was formed out of my life experiences and my personal beliefs as a Christian. God actually put it on my heart telling me the things he had taught me about myself, which broke a lot of old family negative traits. He wanted me to use that to help other families. And my children were still young then. I didn't kind of realize that my kids would be such, would be the awesome adults they are now. But he knew what he had put in me was enough. So he started me 20 years ago. Like my oldest is about to turn 30 and my youngest, she's 28. And I've raised them as a single parent. So what is it particular about your organization? What is the mission of your organization? The mission is for as many children as I can assist, help the parents to strengthen where they are so that then children won't wind up like me as an adult having to unlearn and relearn things that came from the parents that loved me but just didn't know how to parent me the way they needed to. That's basically what we do. And that's why the name that I was given for is MOTHER. But it's an acronym which stands for My Opportunity to Help Everyone Resource. That's fantastic. So I'm I'm so curious. What are some of these parenting styles, if you will, that you're teaching? Well, basic parenting styles change with the person because we have different personalities. So I really don't get that deep into parenting styles. I've given plenty over the years. I've actually given parenting classes where I use clinical models, you know, from things I've learned, clinical models on things that children should know at different different phases in their lives. But I've often more talked to parents about themselves, about where we are as people, about strengthening us, because as we strengthen us, then it's, it just moves to our children. My parents, when they both left here, they were, they lived with a lot of regret. They lived with a lot of regret because, you know, as we get older, you kind of think back to how you did things and you can see, oh, I should have did this better. I should have done that better. And I don't want the adults to live with regrets and I don't want the children to have to unlearn. I had to unlearn so many things that if I would think about it, it could put me in a bad head place. But I know that I was allowed to be there because I was strong enough to change that tide and learn some correct 
and some positive things to parenting and myself because I had a lot of trauma. I had a lot of childhood trauma and my parents were a part of the, the problem. So with that being said, I tell my story to protect the children. I do what I do. I speak to parents, but really I'm speaking to parents because my heart of hearts is to protect children. So can you speak to us? Can you tell us your story? Do you mind sharing? Not at all. My story started very young. When I was six months old, um, my mom, who was then a very heavy drinker, forgot that she had taken me with her and left me in the taxi. Yeah, she left me in the taxi. And um, the taxi driver didn't even know I was back there. He had left with me in the back. But all of a sudden, I cried which my mom said like she said it was really odd because she's I wasn't I wasn't a crying baby I was a very happy baby and um she got in the house and my dad said where's the baby and she's like what are you talking about I don't have a baby you have the baby so they're sitting there arguing about the baby so my dad comes outside and sees the cab driver holding the baby looking silly because it's like 1 a.m in the morning and we lived in an apartment so he didn't it's not like he he dropped my mom off at the house. He didn't know. He's standing there trying to figure out what door am I going to knock on to try to say, hey, I have your baby. But he heard my father coming down and my father thanked him and took me. And that was kind of uh, a negative spiral for my entire young life. I was the forgotten one. I was the oldest, dependent on the most, but I was forgotten. They did not know how to how to see any gifts in me and to lead me along that path, you know, because every child is born with gifts and talents. Case in point, I'm going to go kind of go all over the place. When I was 15, I finally got to something I really like. I like painting. And that was done because an art teacher saw something to me I didn't see. I had never painted, but my art teacher saw me doodling. And she said, I think you should try painting. And I was like, okay. So I did a painting. She put the painting in the school's art contest. I won second place. I had never painted before in my life and never painted before in my life. I was so happy. I went home. I was excited. I wanted to show my mom what I'd done, you know, cause I felt like, cause I always, I always felt like they never, and they, they know they didn't. I mean, as they look, they never knew how to uplift us. You know, to them, if they fed you, you had a roof over your head and you had a place to sleep, that was parenting. You know, that that's all they knew to do. That was a different time, a different generation. So I'm excited. And I go in the house and I show her and she's like, uh, what's that? And I tell her and she's like, oh, OK, but it was not, you know, I was expecting her to be excited because I was excited and she wasn't. She just didn't know how to. That wasn't where she was. Well, a few days later, I came home with an entire large trash bag full of art supplies. My art teacher saw something in me that she wanted to invest in. So she invested in this little kid. My mom saw it. She's like, what you, what you doing with that? We don't, we don't have room for that here. And she made me throw it in the trash. So I just gave you two instances of that being forgotten. And there are plenty others. Yeah. Patricia, that's a, that's just um, that's a heavy story. It's just so just tugs at you and your heart. And I just well, number one, I applaud you for being as 
you know, resilient as you have been? Because I'm sure there are many more stories that you probably have preferred not to share. To choose oh, I have <laughs> I, You know, but I guess, are these workshops that you do? You're putting on workshops. How do you interact and engage parents? What platform do you use to tell your story? And and additional services do you deliver through your organization? I use a lot of different services and a lot of different platforms. You know, parenting classes are one. I have a women's group that I I speak to women because it got to the point that every evening I was on the phone with different women, especially moms and single moms. But I was on the phone with women and they just didn't know what to do. And they just wanted, I guess, an ear of wisdom. And I would spend like sometimes hours on the phone and I had to, um, okay, I physically and mentally can't do this every day. So that's what made me start the women's group. And, and I love how I'm seeing them help each other just as I, you know, maneuver them, you know, like I'll ask questions. Like this past week, I asked questions in the, in the uh, women's group and I said, I told them I wanted them to write down negative things they see in themselves. And they went through that list, lickety split, very fast. They were able to say all the negatives. I said, okay, I want you to do that again, but I want you to do it for the positive. I said, I'm doing this for a reason. And it took so long for them to get half the amount of things about themselves that's positive. And so then I used it as a tool to start teaching them on the mind and how the mind is wired where we remember more of the negative than the positive. But we have to reteach ourselves and we have to grow more, I guess we'll say branches of positivity, you know, that will help us move on in life. And that's what I've been able to do through through classes, you know, taking classes myself through my faith walk. And um, I'm just honored that something that could have totally made my life in a negative is a positive for so many people. That's so incredible. I would imagine that it takes quite a few resources to do what you do, particularly since you're putting together parenting programs and working directly with children and creating these focus groups or support groups for women. Tell us a little bit about the community engagement and resources in the community that you collaborate with. I collaborate with local government. I also, even though I've had mother for 20 years, I've done things for the community with my name, even though it's mother. Like for nine years, I saw an opening in the educational system here in Prince George's County, Maryland, where I live. And I, uh, it just something clicked and I knew I was supposed to do it. I ran for public office, never ran for public office before, never thought about it before. I ran for public office and I won the election for a seat on the Board of Education, which sets up policies for education and family. And so that's still serving the community. You know, it wasn't like I'm giving a class or anything like that, but I still, I did that for nine years. I did that for nine years. I I stopped doing that in September of 2019 because now I have to get back and doing some other things. I've also self-published five books that I'm in the process of redoing, making some changes in the books. And I think I've come to the realization that people don't know what they need until you show them. And I've been singing this, and I keep saying, I've been singing this song 
about parents getting their self together for years. And now people are seeing it, but they still don't make that extra step. So it's my life's goal is to keep singing that same song. Because if you don't make changes, you won't see any changes. And then we'll keep making the same bad mistakes over and over again. So what would you like for organizations, you know, extended organizations that are out there to start doing? I mean, especially being on the school board, is there enough? I mean, I I think about most, well, education curriculums, they don't, there are many now that are incorporating like character traits, character ed into some of the curriculum for the children, but it's limited. And it certainly doesn't incorporate anything that you necessarily would bring home to mom and dad. (laughs) So, Well, one thing I did as a board member, this is one of my babies. Like if you look on it, you see my name. That was the main thing I pushed. I pushed parental involvement in children's education. And I pushed it so much that we wound up creating a actual school for the adults. So it's not a PTA. It's uh, they do it monthly and sometimes quarterly where they have classes that will teach parents how to parent, teach parents how to read the the test scores when they don't, you know, because a lot of times school systems say that parents don't do this. And they, no, I don't care who you are, where you come from, from the lowest to the highest, when you're talking about um, socioeconomic, nobody wants to see their child fail. But you have to sometimes equip the adults with the information they need so that they can help children. You know, another thing I talk about a lot to parents, especially like first-time parents, I know I see it all the time and I talk about it. They don't realize the damage that's being done is something that seems as simple as giving a iPad or a phone to a young child. That's not good for them because their brains are growing and maturing. And what you do when you do that The things that come across are too fast. That's why you see ADHD so much in kids and and parents don't realize that. So there's so many parts to the puzzle that people can assist in. My heart of hearts desire, and I was talking to my daughter about it the other day, and she was like, oh, no, she's about to cry again. But I do, this is, this is definitely, I know my purpose in life. I did not go through all I went through for me to not try to change the tide when it comes to parents and and how we do, you know, how we do what it is we do. What I would love to do, and I have literally for 30 years, I have thought about this, to get big business involved in the positive preservation of family. You know how businesses, they will invest in their employees, you know, in training their employees for stuff they want. For the bottom line, if you help your employees with family issues, your employee is going to be more productive. So that's going to help your bottom line. What I would like to do is to see big businesses come together and have a training for parents. Just like you have big conferences where everything else, why don't people have conferences for family? We are the ones teaching the next generation. If we don't know how to nurture and then we see adults and then we see all of these things in adults we don't like, well, where did it come from? I love it. That's absolutely fantastic. Is this the next big opportunity or what's next on the horizon? For me, that that is 
seeing that happen, I would be no good. I would be like a little kid on the side, just crying happy tears probably for a week after it's done because this has been on my heart for so long. So what I do, I do everything I can. I use whatever strategy I find out about just to make a difference. And like right now, for me, I've been on a clubhouse. So that's been the new thing for me. You know, I'm getting pretty well known pretty quick. I've I've been on there for, I think since December, but I haven't been on there regularly. I may have been on there for an hour and then I got off. But for the last week, I've been on there a lot and I've picked up a lot of followers because I'm sharing my story, you know, and sharing tools I've used. So I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm doing. And the books that I sell that I will be selling as I redo, as I redo my books, the books I'm selling and the art, it's all going to go right back into mother. I'm sell. those are the things I'm going to do to get funds to keep doing what it is I love to do which is the strength of family. I think that that's really commendable, fantastic work that you are doing. And sort of when you, in the things that you've described, it sounds like who would give you a hard time about that? But I guess sometimes it's not so easy, right? Can you share with us some of the challenges that you've had in expanding mother? Hmm. The challenges, I think I kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. People don't know exactly what it is they don't know. Parents have the tendency, adults, we have the tendency to figure we got it all together. That's the hardest thing until a situation happens with their children and they find out they don't have it all together. Then they're half pulling their hair out or they want somebody to help them with their child. But if you start off correctly, you get a better outcome. And that's basically what I'm saying. Just start off correctly. You start off correctly, then you're going to get a better outcome. You know, for me, with my faith, I know and I believe that the creator knows my children better than I do. So if I say I have Christian beliefs, but I still do everything myself and I don't let God lead me when it comes to the everyday, not just the big things, the everyday when it comes to my children. My daughter is downstairs. If she was up there, she was like, yeah, she did. She would do things. And I'm old school, so I, I believed in, in spanking. I wasn't going to hurt her, but I believe I, I would hit that. But no, you can't do that. That That's how I believe then. I would want to, but I would hear God like, no, not, not for that, not now. So what I would do, I would say, God was looking out for you right now, Patrice. I said, because mommy wanted to do, but God told me not to. So that was also teaching her to depend on, some people might call him the higher power. You know, don't just depend on yourself. Like we know everything, you know, so that also, so she's that kind of person that's like, no, I don't think I should do that. Like, let me see what God says. I don't know. Talking about family, like really, I get so filled up because it's so much a part of who I am and how to, what I talk about a lot too is traumas and triggers you know, because I had so many traumas, I'm a, you thought what I said at 15 was one thing. Well, first off, when I was 10, I begged my mother to leave my father because my mother had changed her life, but my dad didn't. I literally, I begged her because I came in the house one more time after many times. She's in the kitchen crying. So I know, okay, they've had a big falling out. You know, she's standing there crying. And I leaned on her and I begged her to leave him. 
but she didn't. So then it turned around where I kind of had a love but hate relationship for her because you're staying here with this guy who's not treating us right. Then a couple of years later, when I was 12, my dad, after calling me everything but a child of God, my father pulled a machete on me and chased me through the house. And I barricaded myself in the bathroom. You know, so as a child, how do you wrap your mind around all of that? How do you take the people who are supposed to be there for you and to protect you? They're the ones who are helping to cause you more traumas other than the other traumas that I experienced. Because I also experienced sexual trauma three times, you know, so dealing with all of the traumas and the mother wounds and the father wounds. And these are from people who love me, but they didn't know how to do what it is they needed to do. So again, I do what I do to protect children. I don't want not one child to have to go through even a minute part of what I went through. Home is supposed to be the safe place. But if you don't work on yourself and get whatever's going on within you, because my dad had a lot of, my dad dealt with depression. And I really believe my, my siblings and I talk about this. And I really think that, my, that our mom was bipolar. But, you know, back then they weren't going to go to no psycho. They, they're like, ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm, you know, this is just the way I am. So do you see these characteristics perhaps in some of the parents, the adults that you're working with? And when you come up upon them, what is the process you take to ensure that they have the support system there to help them get through the challenges that they're dealing with? I give them the information. You know, I just tell them, I said, look, I said, I'm not a clinician. I said, but I'm just tell you what I see because I've been around people like that. I said, I think you need to seek help. You know, and then when I explain what I've been through and they see how well I've turned out, they're like, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want my kids to have to go through that. But then some of them think about it too. They're like, wow, if somebody like you had been around when I was young, maybe I wouldn't be where I am injuring the next generation. Wow. And what about some of the organizations that you're collaborating with? Do they make referrals to you? Or are you going to them and presenting your program and then they're inviting people to come in? What does the collaboration between your organization, Mother, and the community look like? It's been just that. It's been mostly community. Like I've spoken at churches, at civic association meetings. It had not been governmental when it came to things like that. Because I'm not a clinician, you know, they wouldn't do that. But that's going to happen soon because I plan to finish school. I went, but I, I wasn't able to finish because some things that were going on with my mom when I was in school when it came to our health. So I didn't complete school. But oh, even with the like with the police department as well. I have a partnership with the police department. I'm, I'm pretty close with the actual police chief right now. So that that's cool. You know, when I call and say something, they listen. <laughs> I mean, even to the former head of the county, he was like, give her my number. Because if she says I need to do something, 
I'm going to do it. Yeah. So. Well, you're such a testament to how, you know, all of us, right. Individually have the opportunity to not only to build ourselves up, but to build up those around us and leverage our own stories as a way to move forward and create for a positivity in the lives of many. So Patricia, thank you so much for being able to share that with us today. You'd mentioned Clubhouse as one of the tools that you use, and that's not a very well-known tool. It's a pretty awesome one. And I appreciate you for sharing that. Is there another one? Is there any other resource that perhaps goes underutilized that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? That's the newest one. I mean, I'm all over social media. I'm I'm on LinkedIn where we met. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Now I'm on Clubhouse. So I've kind of gotten. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm pretty much on all of those. I uh my two loves, family and being able to laugh. So I share funny anecdotes and if I see funny videos, encouraging videos about family. So on, on social media, I do stuff like that. And then when I'm so led, you know, I'll get on there and I'll say, oh, how in the world could I forget this? I also have a YouTube page so that I can be found on YouTube as well. And I have a lot of videos talking about different family dynamics on YouTube. That's fantastic. But of all of those different avenues, what would be the best way for someone to reach out to you if they would like to be in contact with you? The best way, they, I would say to email me instead of going through all that. And then they can tell me what it is they want and we can work from there. My email address is P-E-U-B-A-N-K-S, which is my first initial, my last name, the number 5774 at gmail.com. Awesome. Patricia, I cannot believe how quickly the time went by today. And I also can't tell you how appreciative I and our listeners are that you are willing to take the time to share your personal story along with the journey of your organization. So thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners today. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for tuning in to Reach Radio. This program is made possible by listeners like you. To learn more about Reach and to support this program, visit www.reachtl.org. <music>